0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Martonic.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by backcountry hunter and seek outside employee, Lee Harrison. Lee grew up in Colorado where mountain hunting was just a part of him from a very young age. We discuss everything surrounding backcountry camping, including the base weight of your pack. Sleeping bags, different types of tents, weather considerations, campsite selection, camp cleanliness, truck camping, camping in bear country, other gear items, and much more. So this is a really cool episode uh, with Lee, who's got a lot of knowledge on it, and I think it could really help you out. 100% Anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there. And you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. As I mentioned last week, there will not be a Mountain Buck Monday story this week as I will I am currently bear hunting uh, in the mountains of Montana here. So hopefully at this point, uh, got one down. If not, I'll still be hunting throughout this week and through the weekend. So I hope everyone else has a great rest of your week and we will see you next week. All right, take two. <laughs> we're live <laughs> yeah. uh, again here, uh, Lee Harrison. Welcome to the podcast, man. I'm I'm really excited to to be able to have you on here. We just we just did like I don't know five minutes of um, of going through, and you were having some little mic issues, and uh, yeah. So we're, we're restarting it, but. Nonetheless, um, I'm excited to have you on here. Uh, you and I have yeah. uh, got to know each other, I guess. I was on your podcast uh, last fall, I believe. And Something I think, around. Yeah, I think yeah. it was last fall. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I just got to know you for, I guess, for, since then. I've talked to you quite a bit. And, yeah. And you brought it up an idea to me of like, We were talking about live events and when I had my mountain buck scouting camp and we were talking about some different ideas for things. And you were talking about with um, backcountry camping and just like the basics and going through some of that and things that I think – it gets overlooked a lot. You know, people look at specific gear, but not really the why they're choosing gear or how to use it, all of these different things. And I just think it's a, I think it was a really cool idea. So I wanted you to come on the the podcast and talk about it a little bit. So thank you for, for joining me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you invited me. Um, it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. Um, and yeah, like, I, like I said, the first time, uh, <laughs> longtime listener and fan. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I'm totally, totally about the whole rust rut stash nation, um, yeah, <laughs> all about it, dude. But, um, yeah, I really, uh, thank you for inviting me on and I'm excited to at least share what I, what I think I know with you. Yeah. <laughs> today.
1: Well, 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 hold on. You, you, you said you're all about the rut stash nation, but you have a pretty clean shaven face. Uh, dude, you know, what's so funny is I literally just shaved my face this morning. <laughs> Did you have a mustache? I
0: did. Well, I mean, I had, you know, I, I basically had I had everything, but uh my my uh my, I guess my mustache was m- more prominent at at the moment, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um uh <laughs> so I I was I was thinking about that. I was like, "Man, maybe I shouldn't shave." Um just out of like uh solidarity or whatever it is for for the for the <laughs> the hashtag you know yeah or whatever but uh <laughs> yeah it's it's literally clean sh- like few hour how but yeah like 10 hours ago or whatever it was yeah i was
1: yeah. i was going to say it's it looks it's shining at me right now so that's what i was yeah want, uh, yeah i mean and yeah it's
0: just got freshly uh freshly moisturized and everything too cuz i it man out here right now, it's like super dry. So my skin is just getting abused by yeah. just the dryness. So um, yeah,
1: actually, and actually I don't have just the mustache right now. I got like a little goatee thing going on because I was talking to somebody and they were asking about the mustache and I was like, it's cause I can't grow a beard. Um, and so I was like, I want to see if I can maybe, you know, it do the right whole thing age of almost 30 here that things are going to happen. And it's, it's looking just as trashy as it always did. So, I, yeah. you know, so that's <laughs> it's so funny you bring up the can't bring it command. This
0: podcast is getting in the weeds, but um, I like <laughs> it because yeah, it's important, man. It is important. is. I'm, we're out here talking about men who can't grow beards and it's important. Okay. <laughs> now, now listen to me when I tell you this, this might change your life. There's this thing out there called micro needling, And I don't know if you, I don't know if you looked into it, uh-uh. but it's something I'm going to start trying. Um, I haven't tried it yet, and so I don't know. But I, I grow really crappy facial hair around this section as well. You know, um, around the chin strap, (laughs) dude. My neck, my neck is like so dumb with with hair growth. I'm like, come on, dude. Can't can't I just catch a break? Can't we just move it? Can I? Can I go into? Can I go into my settings real fast and move? But whatever. Um, I don't, I don't really care that much. But um, yeah. So that. I do not have the rut stash. I am clean shaven and that's kind of why because of the, the madness that is my,
1: my facial hair. Okay. I gotcha. That's yeah. That makes sense. No, I, I can't, uh, I can do like the goatee part. And then as it starts to go up, it just starts to fade and start getting patchy. And yeah, it, it's, I, I you know, and like ever since I was a kid, like all I wanted was like a beautiful beard. Like that's Dude, just yeah, what same I wanted. Here. And I just, was not blessed with that There's, that ability to do that. Like my younger brother, yeah, he can grow the biggest looking beard you ever seen. And I was gonna say Kurt has can. a beard, yeah. Like Kurt, what? Like what's up with you? Yeah, you you, just I know. Not get that. <laughs> and I hate and I hate Kurt because <laughs> Kurt's my brother. And uh, but he he'll like every once in a while he'll be like, oh, he'll he'll grow this like big beard and then he'll shave the mustache and it's like full on Sam Elliott like crushing yeah. mine. And I'm like, all yeah. right. You can stop now. <laughs> yeah.
0: you're like, yeah, um, I'm just going to get you a, like a dollar shave club membership. That way you feel obligated to keep,
1: keep your face shaven or something. Ooh, that's a good idea uh, for mm-hmm. maybe for uh birthday, mm-hmm. Christmas present, something like that. I'll, yeah. I'll do that for him so that he yeah. uh, keeps a little bit, you know, cleaner shave, but yeah (laughs) no i thought i'm glad you brought that up that's an important thing for everyone to listen to (laughs) yeah that i mean really we could just end the podcast
0: here right yeah like we talked about the important stuff today and that's what matters um (laughs) there's so many there's so many like bearded men out there just laughing at us like belly laughing at us right now
1: but you know what i don't care yeah no i'm just gonna i'm just gonna rock the mustache and it's been i haven't i haven't shaving it off and i guess it's been since 2008 actually right before when i started the podcast 2018 it's been four years since i've shaved it um wow yeah and i used to only do it during during hunting season and <laughs> then um i just did it for the first total archery challenge event when i set up my booth to record the first podcast and and it became a it became a thing uh, i i Prime Archery was there and I'd worked for a bow shop at that point and they uh, filmed like a commercial with like just customers that use their stuff and I, at the time I wasn't working with them or anything and we just uh, <laughs> um, so they filmed that and it went on on the commercials for like some of their TV shows that they had uh, sponsored basically and I had True. Tim Burnett from Solo Hunter on my podcast like a couple months later and he's like Hey, you're the, he's like, you're the dude that's in my commercial. And I was like, he's like, I just, I just, that mustache is very recognizable. He's like, you can't get rid of that. Like, that's your brand. Like, that's how people recognize you. you. And it, uh, hey. yeah, that's really what it is. And yeah. I have a very, I have a very baby looking face when I shave it off. Well, at least I used to, I don't know oh, yeah. what it looks like now, but yeah, you, you, you've True. got the baby face
0: too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some of that man, I just got carded the other day. And nothing is worse than a like grown man getting carded, um, buying buying beer or anything, especially like when you're past, like past yeah. 21, you know, yeah, like I'm not, not I'm not like close anymore and, and I'm being carded and I'm like, oh God.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh let's go back into <laughs> the the part of a little bit here where you're talking about who you are and yeah. a little bit of your background. So how about you uh, yeah. start off with that? It's
0: actually good that we're doing a second one. Cause I'll give an abridged version to my first introduction. Um, so yeah. Hi everyone. Uh, baby facely coming at you live here. Um, <laughs> uh, I grew up in, in rifle Colorado, which was a really cool place to grow up in. Um, is hunting, fishing, all, all the things. Um, and yeah, my dad was, uh, hunting and fishing fool. So I, of course he was dragging me out. And like I was telling you, um, like my first time I can remember being, um, kind of like face to face with a, with a rutting bull elk, like September bugling the whole nines. Um, <clears throat> I think I was just young enough, uh, or just old enough to like walk a fair distance without like complaining about it. And like, you know, having to be carried somewhere. <laughs> um, and I actually found a, a buck knife, like Excalibur sticking in the ground. I, I could just barely see, you know, a little pommel at the very, is it the pommel at the very end of the, of the handle? Yeah. Yep. Not, not before that's the hilt, right. Where the, where the knife starts. You're
1: talking above, you're talking above me now.
0: Okay. Anyways, I just saw like a little <laughs> piece of silver sticking out of the ground and I was like, Oh, Hey, what's that? And this was like right before this elk came in because we were sitting underneath the tree and I was like, so I dug it up and yeah, it's just like one of those, you know, pretty like buck 112 or something like that. i don't know the the models but you know pretty With the, the traditional the traditional stereotypical buck knife and i was yeah. like this is awesome i love everything about this i just found a knife and it's mine now and and like here's this here's this elk going crazy and that and it was a wild experience but um yeah so grew up there got to shoot my first bull elk when i was like 12 like you know right when you could um dad took me out 15 minutes from the house and that's where we could get it done at um in a place that uh teddy roosevelt and his crew kind of dubbed Slaughter dolch because i guess they had a pretty banger day um there Hmm. uh that's really cool back when he was president actually because when he was president he would hang out at uh hotel Colorado and Glenwood Springs and Glenwood Springs is only a hop, skip and a jump to rifle. So I'm sure they like would ride throughout the whole Valley and hunt and mm-hmm. then go back to the hotel. Um, so yeah, they, they, I guess they did that as the story goes. So that was pretty sweet. Um, like as a 12 year old to do that and like, you know, and pack it out all with my, well, with my dad and, and our friend, uh, I think it was Dave Hatch. Anyways, Dave, if you listen, <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so did that. And then, you know, after high school and everything and, and rifle we went to college at grand Mesa university, um, or not grand Mesa, university, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> man, now I'm not even gonna Colorado Mesa university.
1: Well, you already um, went through it once. So for everybody, you're like, did I really yeah, you just, you <laughs> just like cut it
0: up. Uh, Colorado Mesa University. Uh, got my degree in marketing right after that I was doing like real estate marketing. Uh, cause that's kind of like what I did for my internship throughout college just to make money and get experience and everything. Um, and realized I hated it. Uh, a lot of like, just, I I just didn't really like the people a whole lot. Um, some were great. I, I still have friends uh, who, who are real estate agents and commercial real estate agents, the whole minds. Um, but uh, I hated it. I truly really did. Um and uh so then I reached out to um Seek Outside in twenty seventeen, you know, summer twenty seventeen. Interviewed just like any other job. Uh I think that a lot of people think that like getting a job at an outdoor brand is just like this ethereal thing that they don't quite know how to do. And uh it's just as simple as like apply, have an interview. If you are the right person for the job, you get hired. Right. Um, and, and it really was that simple. Like I was like, it blew my mind at that age. Cause I, that's what I kind of wanted to do. Um, and it just blew my mind that it was that simple, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just like, Oh wait, I don't have to like prove that I can shoot an arrow, like 120 yards. And like, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know why I thought it was going to be so difficult, but I did. Um, but anyways, I got the job and in like end of August, 2017 and, uh, September of 2017, I was out using products for like hunting over Labor Day weekend and stuff. I mean, it was just like, they were just like, okay, here it is. Go out and play with it and figure it out. You know, um, you know, that way you can talk about it one day. Um, and, uh, before that I was, I've done a lot of like backcountry camping and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but not this kind of style. So over the last however many years, you know, kind of like learning a new style uh, of back country camping. And now I've kind of like been able to marry the two, right. And and figure it out. So, um, that's, that's really my background in a nutshell, man. Um, photo video kind of side of things now it's the same with some like digital marketing efforts, um, for the brand, but,
1: uh, you know, it's kind of me. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And it's funny. So, like, I guess that would have been – I don't know if it was – that would have been – I think we we went through this already. But I think it was 2017 when I bought my first yeah. uh, Seek Outside on <clears throat> tent. And, uh, and, and bought it. Yeah, it was in 2017 and, and use mm-hmm. that tent and still use that tent, uh, to, to this day. And then last year got the Silex and, and kind of building on that, uh, loving those types of tents, lightweight and, and, uh, those floorless shelters have been, been really yeah. cool. And, uh, so it's, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been fun to, uh, be able to, to utilize that, you know, the brand, um, that, that I think it's cool because all made in the U S made right there yeah. in Colorado. I mean, yep. You mean you and I were talking before this, you're talking about them sewing and some of the people that you work with. And it's just, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really cool company to get to work for. Um, and glad that we could like put folks who love to hunt like in the right equipment. Um, cause it really was like the, the whole reason we started this was to make equipment for hunting. Um our equipment has since been like used for like all of these adjacent activities, um, you know, to to hunting, whether it's like just outdoor stuff in general, backcountry skiing, whatever, uh, whatever the case may be, um, which is cool, great. Like I'm so glad that those people are are finding it use for it and that we're able to help them out too. Uh, but it really was like hunters that like the hunting is the reason we started seek outside or the reason that uh, the owner started to seek outside. Yeah. And that was back in 2010. So they've been doing this for a while.
1: Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that the, yeah. the company's been around that long. I think when I first heard of it was, well, I guess it was when I was getting into backcountry hunting. So that makes sense that I wouldn't have yeah. heard of it before then. Um, sure. but you know, when I heard it in 2016 and spent, you know, a year researching and deciding if I wanted to spend money on it and go through that whole mm-hmm. thing, got me with the stove and being able to put, you know, make it a hot tent essentially. And, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been sweet. I've used it in a variety of different places, you know, from Colorado to Pennsylvania and Idaho and everywhere in between. And it's been, it's been cool to, to get to do that and get to learn, um, how to use that, that type of tent which was not traditional from what I was used to um growing up in the east you know floorless shelters just weren't this wasn't something that that we were used to and and I've also bought like the the I had bought the nest for the Cimarron at that time so if I was in areas like out east that have you know snakes and a bunch of other critters that want to crawl in that keep myself still uh away from of away from them i guess um but but still having the ability to like you know just walk in your tent not to worry about muddy boots and you just walk in yeah that's that that makes it makes it pretty awesome but honestly just being able to learn uh how like the different styles of tents and their different Mm -hmm. purposes and you know and this was and and this podcast is not intended although you work for seek outside to be just a uh you know commercial about seek outside this is just really about yeah um tent camping and, and backcountry camping and some of the, the basics that, that come along with it. And it just so happened that uh, I've <laughs> used to Seek Outside Tents for my backcountry adventures and you work for the company. So that's uh, yeah. kind of how the affiliation there works.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't want this to be an a advertisement at all either. Um, so I'm I'll probably actually even suggest a couple of other products for people like if they're just like, no way on on the stuff that we make yeah um like some people just will not buy kind of the stuff we make because it doesn't really one give them the the comfy feeling you know um which is it's just something to be said about the comfy feeling having a comfy feeling um so you know i may even do that you know like even suggest other things that aren't seek outside because that's that might be the right thing for folks um, yeah yeah Nope, by
1: yeah. and i definitely definitely appreciate that so i was kind of thinking like how how we would start you know rolling into this and like where to to begin with and when you and i were texting back and forth you were talking about really starting with like the weight and the weight yeah. aspect because that's something that when you when you start backcountry hunting or camping that's that's a, that's, a, you start having to carry all that gear in. That's a whole nother world. Like you're, now you're, you're getting in, you're <laughs> having a lot of weight on your back, all these things, weight does become um, I guess a concern and just an obstacle at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll kind of give you the, the three kind of verticals here that I was kind of thinking of it was like, I started off when I was backpacking, I was like I had like the tub floor tents from REI or whatever coleman you know just kind of like those things uh for what you get they're heavy i don't know why i don't know what makes them heavy i guess the poles or something but uh um you know and then sometimes we do horse packing you know which meant like canvas wall tents back in the day back before i started to seek outside um which are great i i i will say on record i love canvas wall tents they're like there's just a feeling about them that makes me remember those days and i'm just like oh, man yeah. cowboy stuff i love it um <laughs> uh but they but those are heavy and then they require extra things like either being close to a vehicle or like i'm looking at this painting right here or a string of horses you know yeah um uh you know so they require some extra things that may not everyone have the, you know, ability, ability yeah. to use, yeah. not everyone has a, you know, 12, six horses or whatever. Um, which is usually what we'd end up using is six to 12 horses, depending on how many wall tents we were taken up. Uh, but then like, then you've got like this, like kind of like floorless kind of consideration thing. Uh, I started off with just a tarp, right? Like literally a blue tarp. Um, a small 10 by 10 blue tarp or whatever. I don't, I don't know how big it was. Um, uh, but that was kind of where I started my floorless journey at back in the day Mm -hmm. uh, before seek outside and everything. Um, so you've got like these considerations of weight and what we, when we start talking about weight, we talk about what's called base weight. Um, and base weight is basically the, the total weight of your backpack and sleep system. Um, just to make it super easy. And when I say sleep system, I mean like tent sleeping bag pad, okay. you know, and then anything that you may, that may require you to use those things. So like if you need to put a tarp underneath your pad, um, you got to count that as well. So just kind of take that in consideration, uh, ultralight backpackers and stuff, they will get like, you know, five pound base weight. Obviously there's no way we could do that in hunting. Um, if there was, I would, I would have every single piece of gear on that list. Um, you know, and still be able to have, you know, sometimes I need my zero degree bag. There's no way that we could achieve that, that
1: level of weight. Um, we sometimes, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to touch on that a little bit for anybody that's listening, you know, when you're saying like, the difference between backpacking and hunting and the gear um, that's associated, which the hunting gear typically is a little bit heavier um, when you start doing that. But, but why is that? Like, why, why do you, why does it need to be a little bit heavier? Maybe it doesn't, but just give me your explanation on that.
0: Yeah. So typically, and there, there's really two different reasons. Uh, typically it's the weather. A lot of backpacking, um, or through hiking as we call it. And that through hiking is basically when you start at one end of a trail and you hike all the way through to the other end. So like when people take four months out of the year to hike the Pacific Crest trail and do it all in one go, that's through hiking. So typically when people are doing stuff like that, it's during the summer months because they can't traverse those mountains, um, in the winter months or even the fall months, sometimes, uh, or spring, whatever. So it's typically it's out there. Everyone's doing it during the summer. So we can use quilts, which lighten up the load a lot. Uh, we can use like these super lightweight, just EVA foam, uh, Z rest pads, you know, like the accordion style things, um, which they're great, um, for weight, but they suck to sleep on. I might as well be terrible to sleep on. (laughs) Yeah. I might as well be sleeping on the ground, you know? Um, uh, and so I, I cut well, the one I had, I cut up and I make it into sit pads now, but, um, um, yeah. So where was I going with that? Um, so we are either doing it in the summer months, which means like lighter equipment, Yeah, you know, um, or they know that they're doing this trip and they won't be doing another trip for however many years. Right. Um, cause then they got to go back to work and, and get enough money to do the next one. Um, or whatever so then they're buying these backpacks that are literally just like a sack and by the time they're done with the trip they are they look like they've gone through hell and back you know Mm -hmm. um and they're destroyed and they throw them away and then you know they're almost like disposable backpacks like how we used to take disposable cameras on trips yeah um, it, it literally like almost the same thing, like disposable backpack. When I'm done with the trip, I just throw it away. Disposable sleeping bag when I'm done with the trip, I just throw it away or gift it to someone or whatever. So typically it's like warmer weather, which means lighter gear. And then these people are, you know, trying to save every ounce because they're doing so many miles, or you know, yeah. at least for the through hikers, backpackers, it might be there might be a little bit more crossover.
1: Um but, but even uh, like the backpacks don't need to haul the weight. Like they don't need to correct. be able to, to yeah, be Mm-mm. capable of hauling hundred pounds mm-hmm. or hundred fifty pounds. You know, out I, out I, of the woods.
0: Yeah, I remember talking to some guy, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll never get over like thirty pounds." I'm like, "Bro, I start over thirty pounds. I don't leave the truck with you know,
1: like yeah. and
0: it, it goes in the truck with thirty pounds in it. You yeah. know, um, just because we got to take things like." you know, kill kits, which usually require like a knife or two, and sometimes even a heftier knife. Um, you know, so, so we got, we got some bigger things we got to carry as, as hunters and as backcountry hunters. Um, uh, some people still bring in saws and like axes and stuff, uh, which if you want to save weight, figure out how not to use those things, like figure out like what's required to not have to utilize a saw or like a, or like a little hatchet to like break pelvis, uh bones and stuff like that um one it'll save you a whole lot of time uh and 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 two it'll save you a lot of weight but i know some guys just it's like what they've always done so they'll always bring it and that's fine too dude but like you got to realize it's also going to come at a at
1: i a i brought an axe costume. with me on my uh Second trip in and backpacking trip, and it was when I had the, the Cimarron because I was like, I need to cut firewood, you know, I need to be able to, hey, and yeah, but but look, I didn't realize that like this isn't Pennsylvania, and in mm-hmm. Colorado, everything's dry, and you can break most of the stuff that you're gonna burn like very easily, and so I yep. just carried around basically a weight uh with me, and I never used it on the entire trip. Like, I mean, I, I guess I did use it, but it was just from the standpoint of, I wanted to feel good that I had it. So I just used it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know, I've carried, I've literally backpacked with a cast iron skillet before
0: because I wanted to cook in a cast iron skillet. Once we got to a lake and caught some fish and that's what (laughs) I wanted to cook them in. And I don't regret it. Um, but you know, and so, so that's why, that's why we usually say that backpackers have lighter weight stuff is just because of the season. And then typically because of like the the style of gear that they're purchasing. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah. So going back to base weight, I would say if we can get around a, a 15 to 10 pound base weight, we're pretty money. Um, 10 is like really light, uh, for, for hunters, um, especially if like if like you can get 10 in a late season style hunt situation like kind of gear gear packing list uh you're doing really well and i want to know what it is yeah you might uh, want to check over your
1: stuff again make sure see what you're
0: (laughs) yeah make sure you didn't get anything Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah so so maybe start looking at like what your weight like what all that weight is um And, you know, if we can start, like if we can only pack in with 50 pounds, like if we only have 50 pounds and you got to remember food, we're backpacking with uh, all of our food for however many days we're going to be out there. And if it's only a weekender, we're not going to be that heavy. Um, But if you're coming out west from the east and it's a 10 day trip or you're like, you know. Maybe, maybe you just retired and you're like, maybe you're like Bo and you just retired. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, and, uh, you, uh, you know, and you're, and you're going to take the whole month of September. I've seen it happen. I've pulled up to trailheads and guys are like, I'm here the whole month. Like, I'm, I'm free as a bird. I'm happy as a clam and I'm, I'm I'm here for it. Great. Uh, but if you're going to start backpacking, you know, or whatever, uh, just realize that it's about like two, um, um, what was I going to say? Two pounds per day or such of, uh, of food. Yep. Um, I'm even more closer to the three pound per day, um, area just because I, I eat a lot I, you know, I, I, and I expend a lot when I'm out there. And for some reason I sweat, like it's going out of style. So I'm just consuming always. Um, and I, I don't pack light stuff. Like sometimes I'll bring bagels, uh, sometimes I'll bring, you know, an ungodly <laughs> amount of gummy bears, which are stupid heavy. I don't know why they're dense. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if it's about gummy bears that make them so heavy, but, uh, gummy bears, I am going to switch up. Here's what I'm going to switch up to, to give me the crunch, but still give me the sugar. Um, I'm going to switch up to nerds, gummy clusters. So if you're familiar with, like, the uh, nerds girl, yeah. I, I, uh, I, uh, was in the, I was in the gas station the other day and saw these nerds, gummy clusters. And I love like I love like those kind of snacks like the gummy bears and stuff. But I was like, it would be nice to have some crunch when you're back there. So that's what I'm going to do.
1: You need you need to help me figure out how to pack chips into the into the backcountry without Dude. crushing them because I'm sure. I I I eat just regular potato chips like like is it going out of style like that's my guilty pleasure when I back cans. to cans that's that is an option that's definitely some weight there but that might but bulk uh, yeah yeah bulk and weight but the thing is you know me i'll just trade my spot and scope out for that
0: <laughs> and you're like who cares the
1: animals yeah I'll who cares
0: just, about it? i don't need to see animals i just need to eat chips like right? when i get
1: back to the truck it's like whole bag just pound mm-hmm. it like that's like my guilt like i just like i look forward to that and when i start feeling weird when i'm out there like that's all i want is like this that gives me that comfort sure so
0: here's what i'm gonna do this year because i found it i found it this year i didn't pack them with me but i they were in the truck and i and i remember pounding them when i got back to the truck after a montana archery hunt um uh peanut butter pretzel bites so they're like like they're like they're like yeah yeah they're like little pretzel diddies and they're filled with with peanut butter um Oh man. And they're, they're salty and then you got the peanut butter. So you get a little bit of protein and, and, you know, uh, calories and carbs. Um, but then they're crunchy and the crunch is just, and so I might like try to pack those and like, and they're a little bit more substantial, you know, like you can kind of bang them around a little bit more and not, not crush them, but I might pack those into a bag and maybe like put them in my lid or something. It's a little less get, you know, getting banged around a little less more, but, um, Yeah. Yeah. We can sit here and talk about food all day. I I literally think about it all the time when I'm hunting. I'm like, Hmm, I bet you I could pack, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, I I think about it all the the time. So, um, but yeah, so we're carrying food, which is heavy, um, as well. So you got to think about that. So, you know, you're talking about two pounds a day for 10 days, it's 20 pounds of food right there. Um, you know and and hopefully you you might be able to find some things to minimize that um but let's say we're at the top of that um base weight mark uh, that's fifteen pounds now we're at twenty pounds for food, you know we're at thirty five pounds, and we haven't really even packed any of our hunting equipment, so that's where we start getting closer to that fifty pound mark um you know, to, to, to pack in for those longer extended stay hunts, tripods and spotting scopes. scopes. I I haven't been bringing a spotting scope with me. I I have a pair of 12 by fifties. And that could be, you know, I could totally see farther if I bring a spotting scope or upgrade to a 16 power, you know, uh, vinyl, but, um, it's just, it's worked for me so far and I'm, and I'm not going to jump ship. Um, yeah. until it stops you know but then you i might like suggest someone hey just bring a little pair of 10 by 42s and maybe if you don't mind pack this spotter you know if they can save some weight and i can you know and they can bring a spotter if we're both going to utilize the spotter like i don't i try not to be like so like hey you mind carrying my gear around for me thanks a lot yeah. um <laughs> but uh yeah so um So I do try to do some things to save weight in that regard. And hunting out West, you know, can offer different things. Like you may absolutely need a spotting scope, high country mule deer hunting. I'm bringing a spotting scope and I'm bringing the biggest one I can find. Um, you know, I'll have one of the, I'll, I'll set up a telescope station on top of the mountain if I could. Um, but, uh, you know, but then I might be hunting elk. And I know I'm hunting like this burn area and I'm going to be in tight and it's going to be thick. So I'm just 10 by 42s or my, my trusty 12 by fifties. Um, you know, so we can mix and match and get away with some stuff here and there. So don't feel like you're like, oh man, now I got to find a spot for this scope and it's going to be Yeah, no, I,
1: I, I, I never carried a spotting scope until I started like doing more spot and stock stuff or like things that were, I was trying to see longer. I mean, caribou hunting, high country mule deer, I'm going to take it, spring black bear because I'm going to be sitting there behind the glass all day. Mm -hmm. Like those are the types of things where elk hunting, I don't carry one. Yeah. there I, I did in Idaho and it was more open country. I just carried maven has one of those little tiny S twos. They're yeah. super the 12 to 27. Like they're awesome to, to be able to carry. Cause they don't weigh much of anything as compared to other spotting scopes. I guess uh, they're not as powerful. Yeah. Like I not I wouldn't use that scope on a high country mule deer hunt or that. I, w- I wouldn't use that on that type of hunt, but for, for it, it it's all situational, I guess.
0: Yeah, totally. You yeah. know, so in terms of weight, you know, kind of think about that. And then it's also really good to figure out how much weight you're like comfortable with beforehand. And, and if you're out East, it can be hard to, you know, be like, okay, well, I'm going to go get on the steepest gnarliest thing. Cause it's probably still not as steep or as gnarly as, as, as most of the stuff you're going to be climbing up out West. Now there are occasions, but, um, even, even just like, uh, you know, a lot of people call it rucking. Um, I'm sure, Pretty much everyone who listens to this is probably familiar with that term. Um well if they if they weren't, they
1: should listen to the podcast before this because I just did the whole podcast mm. with uh with my buddy Todd, who uh it talked about the basics of rocking and and how to do it properly and everything. So yeah, they yeah. should if 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 people are listening in chron- chronological order here, then uh yeah, they'll know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we did this on purpose. This
0: is like a whole this is all planned. Um so,
1: yeah, I mean, like, go ruck
0: uh, or whatever you want to call it, walk. You don't have to call it rucking if you don't want to. If you're just like, oh, that's
1: a weird term. Yeah, but that sounds that just cool. more badass, you know. Yeah,
0: rucking does sound way, way cooler. But, you know, put your pack on, go walk around with it, and don't just, like, mow your yard because um, uh, I, I doubt your yard is that big um, or big enough to, like, really um, make a difference. I see a lot of people be like,
1: oh, yeah, put my pack on, mow mow the lawn, and I'm like, dude, it takes me. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with Cyber Scout from Spartan Forge. Cyber Scout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at spartanforge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. and I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EastMeetsWest10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Two minutes to my line.
0: Like, like, it does not take me that long, and, and you will not find
1: the discrepancies in your system in two minutes. Um, well, I, I, I have to, you must, you must have listened. You must have been listening in on this episode uh, that I recorded with Todd yesterday, which at, at this point we're recording and hasn't released yet. But, yeah. um, cause I, I told the story where I'll, I'll push mow my lawn with a pack on like, and I have a bigger lawn, so it takes a couple hours, but,
0: okay yeah. um, but
1: nonetheless, I, when I used to literally put a hundred pound sandbag in there and just destroyed my body, because that's not a good thing to do either. Cause I was yeah. like, I got to prepare right for the pack out. And that was dumb. So don't do that. But, um, I just, yeah. you brought up that and I just started laughing cause
0: man, I'm just like, just in your mind today um (laughs) uh but yeah i mean like go and like you know try to find some hilly stuff to walk up and down especially down down is where you're going to kind of figure it out you know um and this is just kind of finding your body's limitations not necessarily gear it'll help with the gear limitations as well but your bodies and then you're going to be like oh wow uh yeah 50 pounds ain't going to do it i need more like 30 40 So now we kind of have to, that's now we're trying to start figure out what we can afford for weight and and that kind of deal. Um, so now we've gone through this whole process of figuring out where we're going, what we're doing, how much weight we can, you know, how much weight we can afford. Now we can start buying gear, um, which is great because that's some of the people's like most fun things to do. Um, I will admit I love gear. I'm like right before this, I was looking up aerials. It's like, ooh, yeah ooh, arrows you know um but uh i love gear um but i also love doing things and i like doing things more uh so you should you should uh you know you kind of have a healthy balance between the two
1: um, yeah because light, lightweight gear is expensive so like there's yep. this there's this balance and like what i've told people is like you know buy the best that you can afford at at the beginning you know but Understand that there's things that you may need to upgrade. Um, you know that or that you can sure. get away with for a year, and and then you know maybe next year you buy something else that's you know a little bit better to replace that original yeah. thing because it it is expensive trying to it buy is. all that stuff. It's, it's not. And the lighter, the each ounce is like a hundred dollars, isn't that what they say for? Um, like for like sleeping bags, I think is like the yeah the term something for like it. that. It's something, yeah. It's it's something crazy. Yeah, each uh,
0: ounce each ounce you cut off or something like that is a is hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, like you can you can get a you can get a uh you know a 30 ounce sleeping bag, um, but it's gonna be eight hundred dollars, you know. Yeah. Um and it's gonna be expensive, but it'll be nice. Uh Western yeah. Mountaineering makes them and they're fantastic. Um I did buy a Nemo this year that was like on the cheaper side that I really enjoy. Fifteen mm-hmm. degrees. And I nice. used it kind of down into the oh, getting closer to zero in Montana, and it wasn't bad, you know, just kind of like layered up with some long johns and stuff like that. So yeah, it wasn't bad. I, wasn't I was
1: I it. always run, um, so I always run like a I haven't done any like real late season camping hunting trips yet, mm-hmm. but I've always run, uh, like a 20 degree bag or a 30 degree bag, and I just wear my layers in there so that I can kind of, you know, cut down on the weight a little bit. Like I have a, I have a Marmot, uh synthetic sleeping bag that was light and was on the cheaper side. Um, relative, I mean, still it still was a couple, it was like 230 bucks or something, but that was, yeah. that was pretty cheap for a lightweight sleeping bag and, a, and synthetic one at that. And then I, um, last year I used, um, Sika has that Aerolite one that came out with that 30 degree bag where the, where you put your hands out and it looks like, mm-hmm. you're, uh, um, it, it, it looks really funny, but it's super functional and I don't care what people say when I'm using it, it is. because it's awesome. I, uh, so, I can get out and I can take a piss and I don't have to get out <laughs> of my sleeping bag. I can cook my food inside it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty legit. So I have a, and I, I had no clue if this
0: is true. Um, I only know because of what some people who from, uh, seek outside have like told me about gear and being in the military and sleeping bags specifically being in the military is that they were required most times to sleep with their arms outside of the sleeping bag and sometimes position on, on firearms or just being ready to get out and, and, you know, motate Mm -hmm. um, if, if stuff were to go south. Uh, And I know that John Barklow is a big designer over there and I know that he has a huge military background. So I want to say, it's from the military, like yeah. kind of like just him being like, this is what we did in the military. And I think it would be great for this application as well. Uh, but I have no clue. I've, I've never spoken to John in my entire life, like face to face. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I'm speculating.
1: Yeah. No, But it's that,
0: cool. It's a cool design. I dig it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty sweet, but, but anyways, yeah, but this, the sleeping bag thing, like that's, that's a place where, you know, you can, throw a lot of dollars at. I guess my moral Mm -hmm. of that story is that uh, gear is expensive and you kind of got to pick and choose, you know, what (laughs) you're going to go with there. So,
0: yeah. Um, You know, and then then we can start to, now that we're like going into the gear area, you know, obviously money's going to be a factor. I don't really need to talk about that. Like, obviously don't, don't plunge yourself into debt. Don't get a divorce over this stuff. Like, you know, just... Buy, buy your tags you, first too yes yeah buy your tags first you know you know put put stuff away in your savings um all that stuff okay <laughs> now on to the next on to the fun stuff um uh so like we're trying to figure out gear and most of that's going to be like tents or sleeping bags or sleeping pads um and for the tent portion of it um it's going to be a little bit trickier one, you're going to have to deal, look at size, and uh, and uh, where you're going, and how cold it's going to be. If I was going to Pennsylvania uh, right now, I would definitely have something that had some protection, some protection from bugs. If I was going to Pennsylvania in November, I wouldn't really care because they're all going to be dead. Yep. Um, so just because you're going to a place that does have ticks sometimes out of the air it does not necessarily mean you need like a whole bunch of tick protection or whatever um you know and then size you know how many people are going with you all that good stuff that's you know just get to the, get the right size of the tent for how many people are going to be staying in the tent um but going back to where you know we can start to look at okay do i need a, a tub floor do i need a single do i need a double wall shelter um you know, is canvas going to be all right for me? Um, canvas is great. Uh, it's, it'll, it'll get wet. It'll, it'll keep you dry. It is waterproof. Well, it's technically not waterproof, but it's like water resistant. Right. Yep. Um, uh, but it, it molds bad. So there, you know, you got that kind of deal and it's heavy and then, you know, okay, well, do I want a double wall, like kind of lighter weight shelter, um, so explain that, what uh, like
1: double and single wall is. Okay, like the definitions yeah. of the two,
0: sure. So, a double wall you can look at as like your typical Coleman tent. So, you have like your inner tent, um, with like and like usually the dome is like mesh. Yep. Um, and then you have like this rain fly that you affix to it with like some rods and some like little tension things. Um, that can be considered a double wall, uh, but uh, a better representation of double wall is like you have an internal tent and then like some, tor- some sort of external tent with like a vestibule. Um, and the internal tent is a breathable material and the external tent is obviously waterproof. Um, so th- there's your double walls. Hilleberg makes them like double wall four season style shelters, um, single wall and Helibert also makes some single wall style shelters. They're not just double. Um, but single wall is like literally just like I said, it says, so like canvas is a single wall, um, technically. Um, but like most of the stuff that we make at Seek side starts as a single wall shelter. Um, now we, we do some modular things, but you know, if, if people like look at teepee tents and just as a general form, it's a single wall shelter. Um, and it's great because if we can really lighten up things, um, not a whole lot of bulk, we can start to mash things down and fit them into little crevices in our pack. And it's great. Um, the only kind of discrepancy there with single wall shelters is condensation. Um, so if you have a really small single wall shelter, you're probably going to get wet in, you know, if it's rainy and when we can talk about like the conditions here in a second, um, and how that might affect your choices. Um, but like small single wall shelters, you go and get wet. Um, so like really small Helibergs and stuff like that, unless you can vent them, you're going to get wet, really small seek outside shelters, unless you can vent them are going to go wet and you can vent them it's just kind of plug.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. But, and, and, uh, and, and quick story on that is when I first got my Cimarron, I didn't know the whole venting process. I was new mm-hmm. to single wall tents. And when I was in yeah. Colorado, I had it and I was tight to the ground. Like I had no airflow that was coming in and I was also running that stove and then we had snow and then it started melting it. And then it was like creating that condensation inside. Then the wind blew Mm -hmm. and it was like raining inside the tent, which was operator error of like not having the, um, not having it vented properly. And, and so that was, that was something that, that I, ha- I learned the hard way, but it doesn't have to be. And, and I guess that's where kind of testing your gear and, and in different conditions can be, can be super beneficial. Yeah. And inventing
0: and it is not too hard. Sometimes it's just like unzipping the bottom, a, a skosh of the, like the bottom of like your door, um, you know, unzipping that just a little bit. So air can sneak in. Um, and then we have a vent at the top of our shelters that it can circulate. um, and then if you have the stove on there in there, it's great. Cause you can start to bake it off from the inside as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we, and we do offer products like the, like the liners. And now we didn't back then, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we make Cimarron liners for those, especially wet condition, um, style hunts. Uh, and the liners are, you know, pretty inexpensive compared to the whole, uh, kit and caboodle. Um, and they're just, they basically turn your single wall shelter into a double wall at, you know, 10 ounces, nine ounces. So, um, there, you know, there's, there's kind of your answer in a monetary form, you know, like, it's not like a skill thing. It's just like a, I buy this thing and now it, now I can do this. Yep. Um, but you know, like opening up the door just a little bit, obviously if weather permitting, sometimes it doesn't. Um, and then, um, Pitching it up and off the ground, uh, again, weather permitting, sometimes it doesn't. And that's just kind of the way it goes, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, so, you know, going back to single versus double wall, now we kind of have this idea of like, okay, I really don't want to deal with condensation. Perfect. Go double wall, you know? Or get a suite of, of products from whatever company. I'm sure there's some other companies out there that make stuff similar to ours. I don't really know of any other companies that make stuff like liners, but I'm, I'm sure they're, they're out there. We, we've been seeing a ton of like competitive stuff kind of pop up lately. Um, which is great. Uh, you know, like it gives people the opportunity. Um, like I would obviously have some, some things to say about why you should buy seek outside stuff, but shop around please. Um, and, uh, So now we know whether we want to go single or double wall or what we're comfortable with. Also, a lot of the double wall stuff is freestanding tents. It's not like something you need to stake specifically into the ground because, you know, like those dome tents, they got those things that cross and that's kind of like what's keeping their form. Yeah. Um, So so, so some of them are freestanding. Uh, yeah. The single
1: walls take a little bit more skill, um, or practicing on how to, to set them up and make sure that I would say that, that after you've, that after
0: you're practiced at uh, setting up your single wall shelter, especially if it's something like a pyramid style shelter, it's much faster than a dome tent and, and much less frustrating. And you can do it better in any weather conditions. Um, and you know we're not the only ones to make mids. So I'll, again, I'll kind of anti plug plug myself here. Um, if I need to keep giving myself credibility, I don't know if I do at this point. But um, <laughs> um, but I will say that like setting up something like a pyramid style shelter is way easier than a dome tent. Um, after you've gotten some practice at it, figure it out. Watch watch whatever YouTube videos or whatever come from, out from that company on how to set them up, and then practice it in your yard. Do all the things, get good um and then and then go out uh so that's kind of the whole rundown on single versus double wall um and that's a pretty easy answer too especially like i said with a lot of the companies offering some sort of double wall opportunity um and you know now we're kind of moving on to conditions like what are conditions going to be like and this might even help you choose the singular double wall stuff um And that's like, if you're going to be in really wet conditions, like that, that's kind of like the thing that's like the, the, what draws the line between some people's decisions. Um, but I will say there's some, there's some, uh, upsides to having a floorless shelter in wet conditions where if normally people would be like, well, I want a floored shelter, like tub floor style in super, super wet conditions because I don't want anything to get wet. Uh, my personal argument, not, not seek outsides argument, my personal argument from have doing this for however many years now would be your stuff is going to get wetter and stay more wet throughout the trip. If you use a tub floor style shelter and it is dumping and you have no, like no extra days to, to, um, uh, dry it out or do whatever. Um, and I saw this firsthand on a Smith river trip in Montana and it was in May because we couldn't pull our permit for June, which is kind of like the money period. It's warm, drink a lot of beer, hang out and everything's yeah. just right in the world. We got in May, which is fine. We brought a rifle and some stuff to hunt bears along. Cause you could do that along the river, um, there mm-hmm. if you pull a permit. Um, but, uh, Uh, this guy had a a tub floor style shelter and it just after about day two, just started dumping rain, snow, and it didn't stop for like the next three days, his whole thing got wet, his whole system. And I had to like bring him into the red cliff with the stove. Uh, you know, I didn't have any extra tarps for him to sleep. So I just had to put him straight on the ground on his, in his sleeping bag, um, try to, you know, get him as close to the stove as possible and and keep them in there and it's su- and it's surprisingly how fast or it's surprising how fast that ground dries out once you start get a start getting a big stove cranking in there yeah um but that will cause condensation as well you know so it's like a kind of a two-edged sword you get the stove cranking on wet ground all that condensation has got to go somewhere and usually it gets caught on the tent but if you got it hot enough in there it still gets it gets baked off again and Away it goes out into the atmosphere whatever.
1: Yeah. What, um, one one another condition I had one time with running the stove, it was a late season rifle hunt for uh whitetails uh, here in Pennsylvania. And I cool and me and my buddy packed in. We had this this so Florida Florida Pyramid style shelter. Yeah. And we were we were in this like Crick Bottom, which this kind of goes to the campsite selection portion of it a little bit yeah
0: um, yeah, yeah we'll, the we'll reason touch for on that. that
1: is because you know with thermals coming down i didn't want to spook any deer up on the hills yep. but the problem was the area was soft under that frozen ground and so when i started heating up that stove it started turning to mud <laughs> inside the mm. inside the the tent and all all we needed to do is really i i could have moved the tent you know 10 feet and not been in this little kind of mushy place but it was hard to tell yeah. when it was a little bit frozen at, at the beginning and it wasn't it was like right around that it was like freezing rain so it wasn't like frozen solid it was just like i don't even know the right term for it but uh so that was like a, a learning that was a learning experience sure. for me yeah. there. and that's also with when it comes down to your gear um so when you for me like whenever i'm using like a single wall tent uh which i i like from the standpoint of it's so lightweight and that is, you know, one of the huge benefits for it, Yeah. but I I'll use a synthetic sleeping bag during that time. Cause it dries out and you can dry your gear out, especially when you have a stove in there uh, yep. to be able to, to basically cook yourself dry or down kind of clumps up and doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't work as effectively uh, yeah. for, for that.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that's like another gear selection thing too, is, is uh, synthetic versus down and, um, some bags now are making really great treatments. Um, so that down hopefully never does get wet. I used a down seam bag in Alaska, um, on a doll sheep hunt and it wasn't terrible. We did get a lot of rain, but we had a pretty, you know, it, we never really got a lot, you know, wet a lot, um, yeah. on the inside of our tents. So we, we were doing all right. Um, but yeah, let, let since we were talking about, it, let's talk about let's like like break down that situation, right? Yeah, that you just talked about. Um, so you had a single wall shelter. You made the decision to buy a single wall shelter um, because the marketers at seek outside were so incredibly good at their job. That was
1: before you. So. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're like you're like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a um, but uh, uh, no, so you, so you bought a single wall shelter. That's what you were using and now you were going to go hunting with it, set it up in a camping spot in a Creek bottom, which is like big no, no. Um, but like you said, sometimes you just can't really get around it. Right. Like you yeah. don't want your thermals to mess up your hunt. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Sometimes the hunt trumps, uh, placement of your camp and everything else or everything. Yep. Um, whether it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable or not. Um, and so what yeah, like you said, if you would have just like say like you're you got your depression like this, I'm kind of making a thing with my hands here. Um uh for those of you not watching the the new video format yeah. that Buzz got yeah. that Buzz got coming out, um, you know, if you would have just moved up here a skosh, you know, try to find a flat spot in, like 25 yards up, you know it would have been so much better and it's crazy how different the dirt acts just 25 feet up you know and you can still be kind of you know in that same you know thermal range right there um but you know now one the air is not even as wet like i'm sure we've all had days like where you bomb down into a creek bottom and you feel alive because the air is just so moist down there, you know, mm-hmm. and then you go back up and, you know, up on top of a ridge looking for mule deer. And then like one, the wind's just sucking everything out of you. And then you know it's just dry, and you're like, oh god, it sucks. Um yeah, want to go the back chapstick down? out, and
1: you're slapping <laughs> the chapstick on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're like, I just want to go back down to that creek bottom, man. That was like an oasis. But uh, yeah, so the air is wetter down there, and that's going to cause condensation as well. So just popping up a little bit, especially if like you know that creek bottom's not getting a lot of wind because of uh, terrain. Um, if you can just get up where it's just getting a little bit more wind. Obviously, we don't want to get blasted with wind. But if we can get just a little bit more wind, that helps with that ventilation thing we were talking about. And so, for example, like in Montana, we were we were hiking up along this creek the whole way, just following the creek up. And, you know, when we stopped to make camp, it was like, OK, we got a nice flat spot literally right next to water. Great. But, you know, being having worked for the company and been doing this for as long as I did, I said, let's take it from here. And let's just, like, jump up on this little bench that's not too far walk and get right there. Um, And, yeah, like, almost no condensation um, until it just started dumping rain. And being the kind of, like, I don't know, sissies or whatever we are, we were like, let's not bring liners. Wow, we work for this company. We don't need liners. Yeah. We could have brought a liner or two once it started dumping rain, <laughs> but, uh, but we or and snow, man. It really started snowing on us, but um, it, it, we, it worked out. We we were able to kind of minimize it with the, with the stove and, and some ventilation. So, um, but without like, with no weather, we were perfectly fine, you know, just up out of the creek bottom. So there's kind of like the breakdown there. If we could just, if we could just find a little, little bit higher spot, just off the, just off the crick, And I know that sometimes it's night, and hey, man, just, just gonna have to do. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's fine. Like, again, like sometimes the hunt is dictating where we put the camp, not vice versa. um And it is what it is at that point. But yeah, there's, there's a little bit of tips and tricks we can do to help, help, uh, help us have a better night out there.
1: So what about, what about campsite selection? Like, on like say a ridge what what are the pros and mm-hmm. cons of doing something like that
0: um yeah i'm glad you brought that up i just had a phone call the guy the other day who's like yeah man sent me a video of, of uh the red cliff just getting hammered with wind um and he's like on a knife ridge like smacked out on the middle like 60 mile per hour winds it stayed up um it looked like he popped a stake or two but now they weren't like really integral um uh, because we we send some Uh, a few bigger stakes to put like on some of those like integral staking points for the tent. Um, and that might happen, uh, any night in a 60 mile per hour wind night is awful. It's never fun. I don't care. I don't care what tent you're in or how experienced you are. It is miserable because you're not going to sleep. Um, but I wouldn't put it where they put it. It was, I mean, it was smack dab on the Ridge. Um, what we want to do when we want to stay high and cause I'm assuming we're going to want to stay high. That's why we're looking up here. And, and we want to maybe glass from camp or, or maybe that's because, you know, Hey, we're going to just pop over to the, um, to the other side the next day and th- there's bucks in that basin. And we want to stay close. I'm I'm a big proponent of staying close to animals, like camp almost on top of them, but not quite. (laughs) Um, um, and I run a very, very quiet camp. Um, I think that Ryan, who we did the podcast with, I don't think he likes hunting with me. Um, (laughs) because I'm (laughs) like, I'm like, no beer until we're back at the truck, killed something, and uh, like we, we never stop whispering until we get back to the truck, we leave the truck whispering and then we get back to the truck and we can talk loud again, you know? Yeah. Um, um, that's, and that's because I'm, I'm there to hunt, you know? Uh, that's, that's kind of my, my take on it anyways, but, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll camp close to animals if I have to. So, um, you know, if we're trying to stay high and, and whether that be to, to, you know, um, so we don't have to then gain elevation again to get somewhere, or to get to critters or to stay in glass, we want to just get off the top of that Ridge. So vice versa to what we were doing in the Creek bottom, we just wanted to just get up off it. Right. Now we want to just barely get down off of the Ridge. Um, you know, if we can get down 25 to 50 yards, I'll just, just off of the top of the Ridge and find a nice uh, little bench. That would be great. Um, you know, hopefully the wind just doesn't come straight at us, um, that night, but typically, you know, it, it doesn't do that. And, and there's features in the mountain that help it keep keeping from doing that. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we want to find a bench that, uh, that's just off of the, off the, the knife Ridge or Ridge or whatever we're on, um, uh, that we can set up on because then it's not too long of a walk up to the top. And we're kind of keeping ourselves uh, one out of the wind and two, especially for high country mule deer hunting. Uh, and I know like, but like usually if you're elk hunting, you're not really up on the ridges. So this is why I keep talking about like bucks and things like that. Um, uh, two, it's going to keep us out of lightning danger. Um, so in August, early September, those high country mule deer hunts are, can get scary it, when especially when your hair you look like uh what's that muppet that's just like always getting electrocuted <laughs> i know you're talking about yeah yeah when your hair is just standing up and like everything is just like electrified and everything's just like like flash bang flash bang you know like that's that's uh that's pretty pretty scary and i've spent nights like that and uh again you don't sleep And you're every second you're like uh, I might just pack up and, and run down the mountain real fast. And and really you should, um, you know, you never know when you're going to be that one dude who gets struck by lightning. Uh, you just, you just never do. Um, really, you should get down if, if that stuff starts happening, uh, cause it will kill you if, if you get, you know, if you get hit, um, or it could hit a tree and start a fire, you know, like in, in the, further you are away from the epicenter of that thing is better um so
1: yeah, yeah man lightning scares the shit out of me out oh, there like same. it's it's in the high country yeah. it's a whole nother other world and it looks beautiful to have like really great for pictures having like a campsite up on top of the ridge and like just beautiful but for me i like to be down over like you said from the lightning aspect as much as anything else and yeah and staying out of that i've done it um before where i've been up there and then the winds are so bad you feel like your stakes are pulling out which is now why i always put rocks on top of my stakes mm-hmm. um it's just yep. uh it's a good idea a- an extra form of uh, of that and i'll even on if i know i'm going to be in like a high wind area i'll get like those long stakes that have like almost like a cyclone to it um mm-hmm. and uh use those too just because because of that but and yeah and and the, we and we and we provide some of those now those like big oh, long twist, twisted stakes yeah oh i didn't know that yeah mm-hmm. nice yeah well so but that's that that's more of like okay that's like your um I'm trying to think the tactical term for that type of control control for it where like to the best thing is just to not be in that situation. So yeah, finding prevent, the
0: preventative preventative over reactive, you know? Yeah. Um I will I will caveat the rocks on top of stakes things uh thing with one thing. And yeah. that's because sometimes people will do the wrong thing when they think that they're doing the right thing. Uh rocks on top of stakes themselves is fine. Rocks on top of the tent on top of like a sod skirt on on top of any material is the wrong thing to do. Um, you know, so I'm, it doesn't sound like that's what you were doing, which is, I mean, if you were, who cares? Um, (laughs) just don't do it anymore. Um, no matter what tent you use, because that abrasion will end up wearing a hole through your, your tent over time. Um, if you continually do it, but rocks on top of stakes is great. It'll, it'll definitely help keep that
1: stuff in there. All right. No, I was in the clear. I was good. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> a yeah. plus. Um yeah. but no, that's and then the other thing too, and you kinda of mentioned it, but I just wanna to add a little bit to that is where you're talking about um if you're if you're playing a hunting a certain basin or something, you want to be on the opposite side of that. So you don't have those thermals at night that are pulling mm-hmm. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um versus, you know, because then you can camp up high, but you're not but you know, you're not yeah, run into that sure. issue.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you're exactly right. If they're in the, you know, the basin to my right, I want to just jump off the side to my left. Um and and yeah. That way, you know, my scent over there in that basin is minimized. And even if I do, you know, kind of clang my titanium mug around at night, it's not you know, causing too much ruckus. Um But like I said, I, I usually go pretty quiet and, uh, go to bed pretty early and then wake up pretty early. And I would probably wake up and walk, just creep my way over to the other side and probably get another 30 minutes of sleep while the sun comes up and, and then just be there right when I can start seeing out my spotting scope and stuff in that specific instance. Yeah. Um, unless I know that there's like bucks there. And I'm like, okay, I want to kind of be in this area, so I might have to walk a little bit farther. But even then, I try not to. If I'm that close to critters, I try not to walk in the dark um, too much because they're up moving around. They're they're yep. not, they're not snoozing
1: like I am. They're up moving <laughs> around. Yeah, no, I I, I understand that. And the, the other thing with campsite selection that I've run into too is when you camp up high, a lot of times is mm-hmm. water is low. Um, yeah. So you, you gotta you just gotta have that in into your mind that okay, i mm-hmm. um, I might have to drop eight hundred thousand feet to eight hundred to a thousand feet to to get water. And yeah, if I want to camp close to the animals, that's something that comes along with it. And that's not saying don't yeah. do that. It's just saying you gotta understand that portion yeah. of it too.
0: Yeah, and once you're like w- once you're understanding all these things and c- kind of coming to terms with them, right? Um it, it just makes it I gotta go get water. You know it doesn't yeah. make like, oh now crap, now we gotta find water somewhere, um and it's really good to do that all but ahead of time, you know with, with the whole e scouting thing if you can't get boots on the ground yeah. um find find the water and then and then I like to drop pins like and I name them like possible, blah blah blah, and I usually this is how I do it, possible whatever area I'm in, camp.
1: Well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped. After playing around with the buddy's Hoyt RX-8, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stalk just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the MobileHuntersExpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. One, two, three, four, five,
0: whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I'll denote that with the critter I'm chasing for that specific camp's icon, and then every critter has its own color um I'm
1: really nerdy
0: <laughs> with hey,
1: it um, i I could be, we we have a whole podcast on icon um uh, how i go through and do, i do i do similar things i I don't do it where i have the different critter that i'm chasing on there i'll use like just the the camping icon mm-hmm. within the, the the spartan forge app but i'll put like i have different colors for different things and then the icons like all my accesses are a certain color um they're all black that i have like potential accesses my my campsites a specific color potential camping locations classing points you know another thing and i always i potential water sources, those types of things. I always have that stuff marked categorized. I do the one, two, three thing like you just said. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah,
0: it just makes it easier. Um, you know, when you, when you're like, okay, now I see bucks over there. Where the heck am I going to stay? And I usually try to like find a, a, and a lot of times in Colorado, especially Utah, Nevada, you can find like this string of basins where it's like a one ridge. And then all the little finger ridges that jut off of it create all these like basins that you can string together once you get on like the main ridge. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So then now you can like bop to three different basins in a day and check them out. And then when you're doing all your e scouting, you could be like, okay, here's camp for this basin, here's three different campsites for this basin. Here's three different campsites. Yeah. XYZ, et cetera. Um, which, yeah, I mean, you should totally do that. Um, but yeah, like sometimes you're just going to have to bomb off and get water. Um, sometimes you'll luck out and you'll find a spring coming like right out of the top. Uh, we did that once in Montana. There's like a, there's like a spring coming out of an old gold mine. I mean, almost like literally, I don't know, 70 yards from the top. And we wow. were like, this is so money, dude. <laughs> like,
1: yeah.
0: uh, Obviously, we filtered it a lot because who knows what's coming out of that mine. Um, uh, <laughs> we we never, never got sick.
1: Uh, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, but uh, I can just tell um, talking with you that something was in the water there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got <laughs> something from that trip. Hey, I've had, I've had Giardia once, and then the second time was a gastro, what they called a gastrointestinal infection. Um, one was from hunting and one was from fishing. Mm, I was fishing. I was fishing like an Easterner, uh, fishing for largemouth bass in a cattle pond. And I was doing the Western thing where I like tie everything with my mouth and teeth, you know, don't do that. It's bad. I do especially that. where, especially where <laughs> cattle poop, man. I was like, why did I do that? But it was just what I always do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I got, and then I got giardia while, while hunting. Meal deer high country meal deer actually
1: <laughs> huh. so yeah, that doesn't sound any that doesn't sound like a lot of fun either no they both sucked yeah
0: and the one i got during covid and the, my hospital experience was awful
1: oh i can imagine
0: can i even say covid are we gonna get banned if i say it
1: probably you just said it twice now so the podcast be ah! taken down <laughs> just, just bleep me out
0: um yeah yeah, that was during bleep. People are going to be like, what the heck? What is he talking about? Um, uh, but yeah, so redacted. <laughs> like, yeah, redacted, yeah. <laughs> just your voice coming up redacted. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously water is a con- consideration and you just kind of, it's again, it's like the hunt kind of comes before your, your comfort on that one. Um, you know, but, you know, after that, you know, the really wet conditions and the really high elevations are the two kind of like juxtaposing things where we're like, okay, like these are two very, the biggest considerations we have. Is it going to be super wet? Are we going to be super high? Um know and then then from there it's kind of just like tweaking everything in between like like elk hunting you can go from an a super small ultralight little bivy spike camp shelter to a huge just luxurious um you know town of tents um and the wind is not a factor and you know and everything's great and you pack in beer on horseback and all the good stuff um (laughs) You know, so it's like it's like we can we can really do anything with with this with some of this gear, Um, at least like once we've made our decision about what we're going to what we're going to buy and depending on what we're going to do, like if you're the guy who's like, hey, um, I got these horses or I've got this four wheeler and I just want to go. And it's more about hanging out with my buddies or my family than it is about getting after this like huge adventure. You could be doing both, but maybe you're just not doing one of those this year. And then that's kind of like where we're trying to what we're trying to figure out when we're trying to decide on what to buy and and those kind of considerations. So um, you know, some people might be like, yeah, I'm just gonna get a huge tent and we're gonna have a lot of fun, chasing some elk around um you know and just kind of bop to different places and bugle and see if we get anything back and if not then that's all right um yeah and that's fine dude please do that um i love doing that um that's a lot of fun especially like antelope hunting that's that's what i pretty much do for antelope hunting antelope hunting is just one big one big uh laugh-a-thon because yeah i blow every single stock but um <laughs> e- yeah it's just like hey let's uh let's, uh, take all like these big tents out there and go chill and hang out and have fun. And, um, but then when it comes to, like elk and mule deer hunting, then I'm like,
1: yeah, you know. a little different. And and that's yeah. like, like for me, um, well actually when this podcast releases, I'll be in Montana bear hunting and that it, it and that that's what we're going to do is like the truck style camp and, you yeah. know, have just like that. That fun atmosphere. I don't want to say it's not fun otherwise, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, more but it, more camp, laid back, more laid back camp feel to it. Hike into the spots every day and come out of camp. Yeah. Have cook a nice dinner. You know, have a couple drinks around the fire. Whatever it is, like just have that feel to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said about about that. Which one of the things uh, that I'm excited about is that I'm going to be trying out the the courthouse, which is one of your guys is like basically a wall tent. But yeah. I want super lightweight mm-hmm. material, and um, I'm I'm pumped to to be able to have that there because, so for me, I just I, I have like a very, you know, I've talked about this on the side too, but like I just love the deer camp feel. That'll be bear camp, but like the deer camp yeah. feel, and like I want to use this thing, um, you know, in the east, you know, during you know hunting season, have it, have guys there hanging out like that feel just and I think of that when I think of wall tents and when I, when I think of from mostly from a Western perspective, but also in the East. And I, I think that that aspect is, is super cool. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to get to do that and, um, and then not pack that extra weight in, you know, I can, yeah. I can go in a little, I'm about to walk further, but it's going to be lighter weight on my back.
0: hmm Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm i totally right there with you about the deer camp feel, And I'm not even from like the Midwest or the East or whatever. Um, I, I'm a big, I, I've gotten really big into duck hunting uh, lately. And it's because I just like, I'd never go alone. Almost never. Um, That's because like, I like to hang out with my my buddies, my dad, you know, and, and it's cool to watch dogs do their thing. But it's like, that's not really like a crazy adventure like it could be um yeah. but uh um for some folks it could be and that's awesome um but you know like it, sometimes it's just fun to have the camp feel you know like the deer camp the elk camp the whatever camp feel got friends there got family there you know hanging out having fun or, you know like like we said being more laid
1: back we should say being more laid back. Being more um, laid back. Yeah. That's yeah. that's probably a better way.
0: Everything, it's that. all fun. It's all fun. We're just more laid back. Um, because yeah, like high country mule deer hunting is not as laid back. Like we'll just call it what it is. No. Um <laughs> especially if you're like got a really good unit, like it's just if you're like five years into this tag, and you're like, Oh man, the pressure's on. Um I really want to get, I really want to get a nice mule deer, mule deer from this unit. Um, but uh, I
1: don't know. I've just, I've really come to like those style of hunts and, and camp feels and atmospheres. mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's pretty sweet. It is.
0: Yeah. It's fun. And, And honestly, it's probably what got most people into hunting. Um, the crazy high country mule deer, sheep adventures probably didn't get most of us into hunting. Uh, it was probably the the hanging out with dad and uncle and grandpa at deer camp or whatever that got us into hunting, not not the other. You know.
1: Yeah. Yep. I I totally agree. And I and I love. That. Don't get me wrong. I love the the backcountry hunting like we totally. talked about. Like there's it just has its they're different places. Yeah. And and I do both of them
0: every year. Yeah. Every year. It's not like one year I'm like all in on the on the backcountry stuff. I do both every year. There's a trip plan for, you know, the laid back stuff the trip plan for the more kind of high adventure stuff. And, and, you know, and then there's some trips that are kind of in between where it's like, Hey, we can make it whatever we want to make it. Um, you know, and, and I do it all and I just love doing it. Yeah. But definitely. yeah, there's just like different, uh, different considerations for camping with, 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 the two things. Um, and once you kind of figure out what you want to do first, Cause I'm sure you want to do everything just like I do. But once you figure out what you want to do first, um, you can start to kind of dial in that gear system, whether it be new gear or whether it be just saying, Hey, I can use my gear that I have right now and just apply a couple of these other things. Like, yeah, don't take your Coleman tent and sit it right on top of the spike ridge. It will blow away. But you might be able to take your Coleman tent and get just down off the, off the, off the uh, uh, knife ridge and you might be all right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, take that in consideration as well. Uh Just don't put it right on top, yep. Please, for Please, love of God.
1: <laughs> that's that's some good advice. And the one the one last thing that I wanted to ask you about was camp cleanliness and and like oh, yeah, organization yeah, yeah. there. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And this is this is something that that I'll have comments on too. So, but I, I want to hear your your side of it first.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean camp cleanliness mostly comes into safety when we're talking about bear country. Right. Um, that's like the number one thing. That's the sexy thing to talk about. is like bear country, what to do in critter's country. Right. Um, but it'll also help with just your typical critters, squirrels, whatever field mice. Um, we can keep them out of camp as best as possible. You know, you know, when you're sitting there at night and you're eating your Pringles, um, you know, even though you're out in the mountains, try not to scatter those things everywhere. Um, because, uh, something's going to smell that pring those, uh, you know, Pringles in there and, and, and try to come snag it. Um, uh, but aside of like, you know, just being clean for, for that reason, hanging, hanging stuff, uh, in the trees is going to help keep one bear's way. And again, the squirrels and all the little things that can chew through your tent or chew through your sleeping bag and, and maybe ruin the hunt because now you've got like this gaping hole through your tent. Cause a bear walked through it or, you know, your, your sleeping bag has been chewed to, to bits by squirrels and stuff. Um, I've seen it happen. I've seen a squirrel it, for whatever it, I don't know if, if my buddy put his tent on top of a, like a ground squirrel hole or something, but it chewed through the bottom and then it got into everything we had we had a loaf of bread (laughs) we had a loaf of bread and it literally it it drilled a hole straight through it long ways not not width ways long ways just drilled a hole straight through it you know just basically just leaving the crust and a little bit around the crust um and (laughs) just i mean just just had it went it went crazy in there it was like a smorgasbord buffet in there for that guy uh he that squirrel probably died of obesity um but uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know like that like literally all our food was done and we were like well guess we got to leave or go get more food you know um so you know those those are that's like a trip under maybe I mean, just depending on how long you got or what what you've got going on, that could be a trip under. And you just don't want to you don't want to end your trip of a lifetime because of a freaking squirrel ate your food. You know. Um. And we were on a pretty fun trip, and that was like a <laughs> bummer uh, that we had to back out and get the get uh, food. But yeah, just keeping the camp clean for for basically the critters is really is really the big thing.
1: Yeah. And, and, and also like uh, one of the things that I've done in, in bear country is put all my food one, I'll have them in like the gallon Ziploc bags for each day. And then I'll put them in a dry bag, roll top dry bag, and even hang them in the tree, you know, hang them in a tree a little bit away from camp or I've kind of gotten sloppy with that a little bit. And I just keep them in that bag. And I feel like that keeps the smell out um, from them. So I, I, I don't know, I've, I've done it both ways. I don't know if you have any yeah and it does help with the
0: smell the the ziploc bag right um because it's supposed to be airtight so air shouldn't be leaving the the or the roll top bag i'm sorry the roll top bag uh so no no air should be leaving but i would still hang man i mean bears got crazy noses and and it might not even be the the smell Cause we're going to get food on the, on the ground, right? Like that's going to happen. But if they get attracted from the smell of food on the ground and then maybe hit the, hit the bag of food up in the tree and move towards the tree, like that's preferable because hopefully they figure out, ah, I can't get to it. Never mind. I'll move on, Um, you know, or whatever, or, or in the middle of the night, you're not having a a bear come and visit you in your tent. You're, you're hearing a bear trying to climb a tree. And snag this food and then you could you know pop out of your tent you know bear spray gun lights the whole nines hoop and hollering you know and and deal with the 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 issue um but uh yeah i would still hang i mean we we started doing it and even if it's not too far like yeah i know like the the little organization that, that basically does like all the bear safety initiatives say like 200 yards or something like that I've never done that as long as, as long as you can, um, you know, do it far enough away that that makes sense, you know, and don't go on a huge hike, just to go get your food every day, but w- we're just trying to get the bear's attention away from what's in our camp to the the tree. Yep. And and that, and that's really it because it, honestly, if a bear wants to get to stuff in the tree, he can probably get to stuff in a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, one way or another, uh, but let's make it hard for them. Um, you know, grizzlies can't really climb trees. So, um, th- that's a different story. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen crazy things, man. I've seen video of a, of a grizzly trying to shake. Like, it's like uh like it's off of a movie. Like he's trying to shake a, 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 a hive to get honey out yeah. or something like, and he's trying, and he's shaking the tree trying to get the food to come down or something. I was like, this is wild. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, just, just keeping camp clean just so, you know, you're not having your, your trip ended on something silly like that. Uh, that would, that would suck.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing I'll add to that is your camp organization. Um, This just is, mm-hmm. this is me the way I am with it, but like, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I want to have everything organized in a way that I can find it. And need it, you just don't add any of the additional stress or any, you know anything that comes around with that. Like h- knowing where all your stuff is, your say your hygiene stuff that you make, you're not taking with you daily hunting, and your everything's like in. And and I like to keep them in some sort of a dry bag or or some sort of a container that's there now. Like
0: a, like have a trash bag for camp. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. I have a trash. I, bag. I do that too. Yep. Yeah, and, and I then, hang that too. I hate yeah, it that's, as well. yeah, that's
1: a very, that's a, that's a good point. So take the time to do that. And, and also just your other gear, just so you don't mm-hmm. lose things and then you can't find it. And you're, it just helps to keep things that way. And and for me having different bags that are organized, like this is for, you know, basically, you know, like your kill kit, this is for my first aid. This is my all, all that stuff, having that organized, knowing where it's at. Yeah. Repack your bag for the next morning that night before. because mm-hmm. um, you 'cause you're gonna yeah. be running all over the place in the morning. You're probably gonna sleep through your alarm a little bit and you're gonna be running late. You can't get to the glassing spot. All of these things are just little tips that can can yeah. help with that, that organization and and so I I go back and forth, um, and I'm not trying to open a can of worms here, but like with when you're packing your bag, like I've always I was always one of those people who had everything in different bags, but then it doesn't pack really well. Um, like when you put it in your backpack, I guess is what I mean. Like mm-hmm. if you have everything in their own bag, it just like lumpy and weird, and it doesn't pack really well. So sometimes yeah. I'll even just have empty bags in there and have the stuff. St- I'll have the pack stuff the way that it needs to. And then if I get to camp, then I'll organize it inside my tent. So it's just not thrown yeah. everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gear explosions can eat up time for
0: sure. Um, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail right on the head there. Just like keep everything dialed. Um, keep your camp, you know, organized, not only clean in terms of like garbage food, whatever, but keep it organized. Um, um, do it all at night, the night before, even if you're like really tired, you're going to be more tired in the morning and less wanting to repack your bag in the morning when you wake up. So if you just do it real fast, you know, maybe eat first or do it while your food is like boiling, you know, if like, if you're, if you got like the jet boil stuff going on, like if that's how you're eating food that night, or, you know, even if you've got, you know, your camp cook with a cast iron skillet making tacos like yeah do it then um but uh but yeah keeping gear organized that's a good one That's good yeah. one. and i don't always i don't always subscribe to that man i wish i did every every time but then sometimes i forget hey it's <laughs> it's good to strive for it and then yeah
1: you know sometimes you're gonna fall off but yeah yep yeah and then you well, kick yourself for it yeah is there anything else that we missed or anything else you think that you want to touch on? I felt like we covered a lot in, uh, this I, you know, time. A, a little
0: bit, like just a couple of little tips and tricks, um, would just be to one, like learn some like really good, uh, knots, things to do with cordage. Uh, almost every 10 out there could, could do with like a little emergency cordage kit, whether it's to, to, uh, uh you know, do guidelines, do you know make uh makeshift stakes and stuff like that dead man anchors um which a dead man anchor is a a really good way to stake in soft ground or even no ground um that is just like yeah you put a you wrap something around a rock like whether it's line or sometimes they make dead weight uh dead man weight bags that you like affix to your staking point and then you put the rock in the bag oh okay. and that's your steak so i mean just carrying a little bit of cordage and just like having this knowledge banked away of like okay if i forget my steaks i know what, i still could do the thing uh just don't ever forget your stakes, number one just keep them in your in the bag with your tent yeah. um but uh we someone just did it in our in our troop um they forgot their steaks and uh we were we were <laughs> showing people how to how to uh Stick a tent with no stakes. Um and and, it, and you could do it for sure. Um, but yeah, like just bring a little bit of cordage uh and just have a little repair kit. Um, luckily enough, these tents, as long as it's not canvas, canvas is a little harder. But most ultralight tents or even semi ultralight tents, um uh are, are really repairable nowadays, and it could be as just as easy as taking a it's like literally a sticker and you take the sticker off the thing and you put it on there and it adheres to the, to the material and away you go. Um, you know, so kind of like just keep that stuff handy and you, cause you never know branch falls off a tree, smacks your tent. You got a couple of holes in it now that you got to take care of. Um, it shouldn't like, like, let's try to stay in the field as long as possible. And that's the whole reason, you know, we have most of this gear is to help us, you know, uh, you know, be there longer and, and, and do the thing. So, um, you know, let's have a little bit of redundancy or, or emergency style kit, um, learn some cool knots. I don't know as many knots as I should. I will be the first one to say it. I should know a lot more knots for working for the company I do. Um, but I know enough to be dangerous and I, I just, I just run it that way. Um, so, but the more knots, you know, You'll never you'll never not use them, I feel
1: like. I need to refresh um, my knowledge on knots. Before I went to Alaska, I spent a lot of time watching YouTube videos on different knots and it is helpful. And then even like with the tents and stuff, different ways that you can um with the Silex specifically, like how you can tighten it down with different knots and doing there's mm-hmm. just like there's there's a lot yeah. of value in that. Yeah. Yeah. So did you buy that Silex for Alaska or did you buy it for Colorado? That was for Colorado okay yeah. yeah i used i used uh uh hilleberg up in alaska
0: mm. yep yeah
1: it was it was that a single or double wall hilleberg you know that was a double wall okay yeah yeah that was a double wall. i can't remember the model but it had like a big vestibule it came out it was a yeah was a bigger, <clears> a bigger
0: and that's one. typically what they what they are you know is like that yeah. what is it it's like the inner tent is like yellow right
1: i've only spent a couple yeah. of nights in a hilleberg yep. the inner tent's yellow yep yeah
0: yeah yeah and then that's like another one of those considerations, like you're in a really wet environment that might be the way to go. I don't know. How was your, I've never stayed in a tub floor style tent where it's like Pacific Northwest or Alaska style kind of uh, precipitation. Uh, how was your experience? Like it was like good. What, I was mean, it I just ha- soaked I had- inside or what?
1: No, I, I didn't, I didn't have any complaints with, with that. It, uh, one of the things that we did do was because it was a, we were able to bring some more clothes. So I didn't necessarily have to like dry everything out on my body inside the tent. I would, Mm -hmm. that vestibule was so big and it had like a line that we hung in it. So I'd hang some stuff out there Oh, cool! and then it never rained for like days on end. Uh, so like then I'd be able to put it outside the next day and the wind would, wind and sun and stuff would dry it um Sweet. if anything got wet but uh so we were able to keep it controlled from going inside of the tub um i guess but uh awesome. it, no it, it worked it worked pretty well it held up pretty good um but yeah i don't we had some nasty weather but pr- probably not uh probably not what some have experienced in alaska i'll, I'll put it that mm-hmm. way <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. Well, no, that's, that's good to know that, that it worked out well for you. Cause like we offer some, some tub floor style, uh, accessories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just try to, you know, make sure that, w- that what we got is, is a good option for folks. Uh, one to be competitive in the space. Sure. But, but two, so we're not like, you know, just offering, you know, offering folks stuff that doesn't work. And, and we usually keep it pretty dialed, especially with all the sp- experience that the owners had, that we've had, yeah, you know, like myself and a few of the other guys on the on the team uh, are really involved in the product design process, so that 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 helps. Um, and and I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you this: um, like
1: it's, I I think there's so much that comes down to just your knowledge on how to use stuff, and what, like you were saying, like with the selection of stuff, and maybe you know the, the, that you could use a, a different type of shelter, but you need a liner for this or whatever it is, and just like having this knowledge base is is so much more important than that specific item of gear that you have and yeah and that's like i said like (laughs) i talk to people like you that know more than i do about it because i learn and anybody can and anybody can learn by that and i think it's i think that's super cool
0: yeah and that's why i said like just know you could probably make it happen with the coleman tent Um, it might suck It might be like a little bit more wet. You might have a little bit more fear of the tent blowing away. Um, But like we said before, tags first, marriage second, (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, 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 gear third. Um, But, uh, you know, like you could probably make it happen. Just try to like bank these things away. And that way, like if you are dealing with like less than ideal gear, you can make up for it with your own skill. Because yeah. that would probably, for you personally, be a lot more cooler than being like, oh, yeah, I went and spent $10,000 and got all this gear and then I was able to make it happen. If you would be like, yeah, I, I did it with like minimal gear and use a bunch of my, my knowledge and skills, that's yeah. a lot cooler.
1: Yeah, um, I built a tent out of <laughs> yeah. uh, conifer tree branches yeah. and, you know, I used moss to-
0: <laughs> that dude I, that's and that's and that's why i work for tent companies because i don't know how to do that stuff
1: no i'm
0: i'm no uh i'm no clay hayes uh i can't build an entire hunting cabin in however long he did it on alone um yeah. the tv show i don't i don't know how long it took him to build that thing but uh yep yep and that's you know not everyone has those skills, so sometimes you do have to get the stuff yeah. to to make it happen. But uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, you'll balance. yeah you'll never you'll never regret having um, a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of skills when it comes to to stuff out there and, and just making stuff work with what you got. It's never going to be perfect. My hunts are even today are never ever perfect. Like it never just goes off without a hitch. Nothing's wrong. Everything's great. I always fill my tag. Never. There's always yeah. something. Sometimes I don't feel my tag. Sometimes I'm a little bit wet. Sometimes it's a little bit cold. And I, am like, man, I really want to go eat some Chinese food. Um, <laughs> that's literally that's literally was the topic of like a two hour long conversation one time while elk hunting. Of was like what we were going to eat at the Chinese buffet uh, once we got back into town.
1: That's um, funny, but yeah. Well, yep. Cool. Well, I uh, I appreciate you coming on yeah. here, Lee, and talking to us here. So, I would you would you be willing to give a, a shameless plug where they can anybody can find out more information <laughs> sure. on you and the company and whatever else you want to kind of throw out here <clears throat> at the end, and I'll add it in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, the company I work for, Seek Outside. Um, you can find them at seekoutside.com, uh, Seek Outside on Instagram, and Seek Outside Gear on YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing on Facebook, all the things, I think we have a uh, TikTok now that has a total of like two things on it. So if you're there, you could go look at those two things. Um, <laughs> uh, we might put more there. Uh, we want to start doing more video content just cause it's a lot of fun for us, uh, yeah kind of, uh, selfishly. Um, but, uh, uh, we hope that you guys might like it too. Um, but it's a lot of fun for us. But yeah, go there, check our stuff out. Um, please call, email. We have a full customer service team there at the shop that are backcountry hunters, that are ultra runners, that are you know uh, mountain bikers, that are all the things, um, and sometimes all of the above, um, depending on who you talk to. Uh, we did just get our ultra runner employee on his first hunt, and it was a turkey hunt. He didn't kill anything. Um but it was, it was a good first hunt to be on to kind of not spoil him, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just like horrible weather, um, for turkey hunting, but, uh, um, yeah. So call email, uh, do all the things and hopefully, hopefully I get to talk to one of you guys and, um, you can tell me how dumb I sound on the podcast and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, yell at me for not knowing as many knots as I should. But yeah, that, that's where you guys can can find some stuff about Seek outside.
1: Perfect. Well, yeah. thanks, man. I appreciate you uh coming on and chatting with me here. And Absolutely. Uh, uh we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you.